This is the Power of Promise podcast, episode number 123, with the author of Stroke Forward, Marsha Moran. Because I was, I think, pretty close to dying, probably. And so something, whether it be God, looked down and said, you have something to do, and that is to advocate for other people. Hi, this is April Tribe Juke, author of Pinpoints of Light, where I help the battered, beaten, and broken discover their strength to change from victim to victor. Thanks for listening to Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller, where he helps you to overcome adversity to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to the Power of Promise podcast. I'm Dr. Brad Miller, helping you to overcome adverse conditions in your life to achieve what we like to call your life of peace and prosperity and purpose. We've got lots of helpful resources at our website, pathwayofpromise.com, where we help you to overcome things that can bring you down. What if you had to start all over in your life? What if you had to start all over in your life to learn how to talk, to walk, to communicate again? What if everything was taken away? Our guest today is Marsha Moran, and she had a stroke back in 2014. It took her five years, the better part of five years, to recover from that process. In that process, she learned how to regain her capabilities, to search out and to be her own healthcare advocate, and to take things one step at a, at a time, because good enough is not good enough. That is to say, to get one percenter, one percent better every day is to keep going on. She uh, comes from a background of some success in the corporate world, and she had uh, her own business for a long time. And then had this disastrous health encounter, uh, which was unexpected, where she had a stroke and had to recover from that process. She now is helpful to you, my friends, to help you to overcome adversity in your life. As we are recording this in early April of 2020, we have the adversity that a lot of folks are feeling with the with the corona coronavirus pandemic, which is superseding a lot of things in people's lives. And I think you will find that uh, Marcia gives us some great tips on how to overcome adversity of all sorts, but particularly in the area of medical medical advocacy and caretakers, something that's really on our mind right now is we have a lot of folks who are dealing with uh, the challenges of an overwhelmed medical system. She comes to us today to be helpful to you in your life to help you overcome adversity. Our guest today on the Power Promise podcast, Marsha Moran, the author of Stroke Forward. Marsha, in your life, apparently things were perking along pretty good in your life, and your 
successful career in business when some situation happened that threw your life up in turmoil. Tell us a little bit about your background here. Well, my background was pretty normal. I had a job in my house and it was gearing towards what I thought would be a pretty profitable year. And I had a, a meaningful life outside of work. And then out of nowhere, I had a stroke. And stroke is a weird term for me to think about because I didn't know I had a stroke until the paramedics called, came to the house, looked at me and said, when did she have it? So I woke up on Sunday morning and I had a weird feeling in my body. And I said, hmm, this is really weird. So I'm going to text my friend because I'm not going to go to breakfast. And the text wasn't readable. So I said, well, I will call her later. And I put the phone down. I rolled over on my left-hand side and got the worst imaginable headache ever. Despite the pain, I woke up. I, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I knew I was in real trouble because my right side was completely paralyzed. Oh my goodness, wow. And so I had a decision to make. Get out of bed and try to find help or give up. So I rolled onto the floor and I grabbed the carpet and dragged myself over to the door, which was closed. And then I had to reach up for the handle. And I don't know how many times I reached up, but I finally snuck the door open. And I was so tired, I had to take a rest. And eventually I had enough strength, so I started crawling down the hallway. And halfway down the hallway, I ran out of gas. I was just completely out of, out of, I had no gas left. And I thought, well, that's okay, because my husband will come upstairs sometimes for soda. Yeah. So the next thing I knew, crash. I don't know what fell down, but something did that day. And my husband came upstairs and he saw me on the floor and he said, Marsha, are you okay? And I turned to him and that's when I found out I couldn't speak. Oh my goodness. Wow. So he said, can you talk to me? And I'm going, no. You, but you could understand him. I could understand him, but I had yeah. no voice left. Oh my goodness. And he said, I'm going to call 911. I'm going, I nodded my head, yeah. So he looked around the house while he was waiting for the paramedics. And when the paramedics arrived, like I said, the first thing they said was, when did she have the stroke? And that was the first time. Wow. Had you husband, had any, any history of like the many strokes or those type of things that uh, no, or, was, or heart or brain, you know, malfunctions or whatever it would be? No, it was a complete wow. surprise. Mm. Yeah. 
shock, shock, shock. And then just boom, it hits you and you were incapacitated and your whole world, I'm sure at that point was turned upside down, wasn't it? Absolutely. And now the process now you've been in now is recovery from that event, which happened in 2014. Right. And then you've wrote this book called Stroke Forward and you're looking to help others. And so tell us a little bit about the process of what were some of the first steps for you to get through the crisis moment itself and begin the long recovery back? Well, I was actually unconscious when I arrived at the hospital. And in the hospital, the first day, they asked me if I would walk around the nurse's station. And I'm going, okay. So I had gained a little bit of my mobility back. And a physical therapist put a belt around me and she held me up as I walked around the nurse's station. And I would say walking is, yeah, I really didn't walk that much. It was more like um, dragging or clomping my feet. Um, With the assistance of the therapist? Yeah. Along the way? Okay. Yeah. Um, The next day, they put me in a hospital room and the first thing the nurse did is she wheeled me into the bathroom, seated me and went on with making the bed. And that's the wrong thing to do with a stroke patient because I had no, nothing to hold me up on the right hand side. Oh, (laughs) okay. Nothing to support you. So did you slip out of bed then or something like that or fall? I, I, I fell off the toilet. Oh, I mean, I don't have to do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, wow. So you were in more trouble. Um, no, I was embarrassed. Okay, I see. But my husband realized at that point he needed to become my advocate because somebody had to watch out for everything that I did or okay. was done to me. Yeah. That's part of the process then of what you learned about becoming your own advocate. Your husband stepped in and eventually you had to step in and you learned a lot, didn't you, in this whole process? (laughs) Absolutely. So I am sorry that I went through the process to learn it, but I'm glad that I learned how to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What are some of the, uh, what are some of the steps you need to take to be an advocate, you know, to be your own advocate or be advocate for others? Uh, what are, I like to think in terms of bold actions. We have, if we want to recover from adversity, I like to think in terms of the actions we have to take, kind of first steps, if you will. What were some of the bold actions that you took? So uh, for me, the first bold action was I had to learn to eat again, and I had to learn to work out myself. So each patient has decisions to make. So are you going to learn how to eat? Well, yes, everybody wants to eat. Are you going to work out every single day? Some people don't, but I did, despite how I felt, because working out is the only way to get better. And I was insistent on myself that I would get back to pre-stroke actions. And that was a part of your lifestyle before the stroke was working out a lot and so on? Yeah, actually, I worked out uh, three or four times a week. Um, I ran some and did, yeah, go ahead. So this wasn't just a therapeutic thing, you know, advocated by your 
by your physical therapist. This was you wanting to get back into your life, your, right. your lifestyle. Yeah, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you had this situation where you were working out and you were doing some things and that seemed like they must've taken some incredible uh, inner, uh, inner strength and also strength from your husband and others as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you talk about others because without the people I had around me, I wouldn't be who I am today. And mm. a lot of times people don't think about how important their loved ones are. Yes. Yes. Well, let's just go there for a minute. Who were some of those folks and how were they helpful to you? And then let's, we'll turn that around a minute, how you could be helpful to others. Okay. Well, obviously my husband was my caretaker and he guided me through everything from caretaking to therapies to everything. Then I think you would say that my sister was a caretaker as well. Now she lives on the West Coast, but she texted me every single day. And that required me to remember the passcode for my phone. Okay. And that times took a long time. And then I had to text to her. And she said, it didn't matter what the phone said when she got the text. It mattered that I texted her. It mattered that I was okay. Well, it sounded like you had to engage your, your body, you know, just with yep. your fingers and so yep. on. And you had to engage your brain. Yep. And you had to be uh, composed enough to uh, receive a call or receive a text and to make a text. Yep. Yep. Well, that, that is awesome. That's awesome. Yep. So I, I'm a big believer, Marcia, that it's uh, part of what helps us get through bad times like this is these powerful relationships, especially yep. when they have a, a, a I, like to, I like to call the fuel of love that, uh, that drives us. And they can be, you know, intimately and your uh, family, but it can also be what we learn from others. Sometimes it's an intellectual pursuit, learning from uh, doctors or so on, this type of thing. But what are some of the ways that you're able to uh, share with others now some of what you've learned in a loving relationship with others? Are you engaged with others to support others who have had their own times of adversity? Yes. So I belong to a couple of stroke groups and I'm actually a, um, um, I actually volunteer for uh, blind, I'm sorry, brain injury services. Um, although they're under quarantine now. <laughs> yeah, I see. These are support type groups for, for yes. folks with brain, with, with brain injuries or stroke victims. Yes. Yeah. So what do you find uh, satisfying about that when you're able to, to give back to others? I find the most satisfying thing is just being there to listen to what they have to say. A lot of times people forget that Everybody has something to say. And sometimes when you have aphasia, which is a uh, communication disorder, you don't get much out and then somebody blows you off and they go on to something else. Well, somebody has to take time to listen to what these people with aphasia have to say. And sometimes it does take a while, but they need to be heard. And I think that that is my strength. Sound like you learned some patience and perseverance, which you are applying yeah. to folks who have aphasia. Yeah. And so when I know that in my uh, part of my adversity that I've had to overcome as a 
child particularly was I had a pretty severe uh, speech impediment stuttering problem. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of a situation where you, your mind and your tongue gets kind of stuck. And sometimes people want to jump in and try to finish sentences for you and that type of thing. I was fortunate to have some uh, speech therapists way back when I was in elementary school who were patient enough to work with me and my parents and so on. But it takes some of that uh, persistent and consistence and patience to, to do that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. And part of the process is writing this book too, right? Yeah, it was a huge therapy for me to write the book, but also there are so many people who go into the hospital that have no idea about what advocacy is. And the last place you want to learn about advocacy is when you're in a life or death situation with mm-hmm. a friend. So I'm hoping that the book gives them a at least bare understanding of advocacy so they know where they start. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how often folks, people, when it's only when the crisis comes that we get engaged with some of the things that we would have been better suited to uh, think about ahead of time. I think, you know, right now, of course, as you and I talk, we're in the middle of this whole crazy coronavirus thing that's going on in the world. And, (laughs) and we live in a world that is embroiled in crisis really. And, uh, and we see some folks who are handling it, uh, pretty well and a lot of folks who are not handling it very well okay. and uh it makes a difference in how we take take it on yeah, yeah. i want to speak to you about something else that i think is important about uh, overcoming adversity or transitioning through your uh process of something like a stroke and that's your inner life here, your spiritual life. Did did you call in any kind of a higher power or any kind of a spiritual advocacy or anything along this line to help help you work through this process? So when I woke up in the hospital, actually it was my second day, and I realized that something had made me live because I was, I think, pretty close to dying probably. And so something whether it be God, looked down and said, you have something to do, and that is to advocate for other people. You have a book you can write. So I was actually thinking about writing the book my second day in the hospital. And the funny thing is, when I set the book aside afterwards, I felt really guilty. It's like, uh, I really have to go back and write the book. Now, it took me four and a half years to write and publish it. But I think if I'd been left on my own, I wouldn't have published it at all. It would have been simply something for me to feel better. So you had this um, inner voice, this inner drive, this spiritual force, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that, was, that wasn't going to let you go, apparently. It was going to yeah. keep, keep after you to... Get this, to get this done and accomplish that. Yeah. So I think that my life is to work on making it better for stroke patients. Yeah. Well, it's often, it's awesome. When you have a purpose in life, it just makes all the difference. Yeah. And, and of course, what I advocate, the place where when people, in order to get through a time of adversity, you know, I like to, I think of adversity basically in five different categories and they are uh, depression and uh, debt and uh, divorce, which is relationships 
and disease, which is what you're dealing with, and then death, like in death of a loved one. And we have a lot of that going on right now with our fear of death and disease that's in our world right, right now. But in order to get through that, you either stay stuck in those places or you come to a place, I like to call it peace and prosperity and purpose. And a big part of that is purpose. And you have found a bit of your purpose in being an advocate. And what I want to talk to you here for a few minutes is some of the practical matters, some of the disciplines, some of the things people need to do, some of the things that you did, some of the mistakes you made, or, or some of the lessons learned that can be helpful to people who either need to be advocates for their own health or can be an advocate for someone else. Okay. So first off, they need to understand that their medical history has to be available for anyone. So you write it up and you put it in a file and you tell people where it's at because that's the place where you get to the hospital. That's the first thing they're going to want to know about you. The second thing probably is they should think about having a living will. Um, Maybe you could have them think about how to like I remember thinking about what, how my husband came into the room and did everything he could to comfort me. But when he left, he had nobody okay. or thought he had nobody. Now, here's the beautiful thing. So that's a care for the caregivers type of thing, right? Care for the caregivers. So here's the beautiful thing. Some of my friends came to the hospital and although they couldn't come up and see me, they came to see him. And all of a sudden he realized that they were family, not friends. So they made a total switch in his mind. Um, I think the most important thing for me when I'm thinking about what I needed, I needed people around me. I need, needed people to care. And I found that So many people cared when I was at my lowest. I haven't worried about did people care about me since then because I know that they do. So So going through this experience gave you some assurance that there were some people who were willing to step forward and care for you. Absolutely. Yeah. That may, whether you felt it or not, or before, it just certainly gave you a complete affirmation of this. And so, Seems to me that's a lesson learned to be intentional about being affirming to people who have health conditions of yeah. whatever site. Yeah. Make your presence known. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you think? Uh, what do you think are just kind of off in a sidebar just a little bit with you here? You're talking about the, the need for people, you know, the need for relationships mm-hmm. to help you get you through your situation and how you've been helpful to others. You know, right now we're living in a time, uh, the governor of my state just came on a few minutes ago and told us to not travel and not do much in our state. And then uh, regarding this coronavirus, so people are at this social distancing type of thing. And so we have this physical um, uh, obstacle to being together to support one another. What are some of your thoughts about way people can still do some of the advocacy that you're talking about kind of in our current, uh, current climate? Well, I'd say my first thing is to say that people need to do Zoom conference calls right now. And this is just 
not advocacy, but for everything. Because when you do Zoom calls, you can actually see the other person. It's not like you're completely connected, but I feel like I'm much more connected with you than if we were talking on the phone. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, so I think that, and you should always call people that you think might be in trouble. So people are not very good at saying how they're feeling. So you should pick up the phone or text people or do whatever you need to do to see if they're actually okay. Because a lot of people aren't being, they're, they're not okay right now. Yeah. Well, we have a, a very, well, an absolutely unique situation in human history of an absolutely universal drama trauma that's right. going on. And so everybody's under some stress and not everybody handles it, you know, people handle it in different ways. So we, I'm hearing you say, Marcia, to be that much more intentional about our reaching out to yeah. folks and our loved ones and others. Right. Maybe make a connection with someone you haven't had a connection with for, the, for a long time, perhaps, or right. try to develop new relationships of some sort. And that's right. It. So I think that that's really key right now. I called somebody yesterday and they're actually doing very well, but I called somebody the day before and he's not actually doing very well. Mm-hmm. So you have to just go through your list of people, you know, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And so you've learned that lesson in your, your process and you have some very helpful stuff in your book. And I know you've mentioned one, one aspect of your, of your website and so on. You've got, uh, 12 tips for recovery. And uh, maybe you can just give us just a couple of those that could be helpful to people for helping people recover from a great trauma like that you had. Okay. Well, one of my favorites is sleep. So the sleep is important for the stroke patient, but it's also really important for the person who's being your caretaker. So if the caretaker doesn't get enough sleep, then over time, it will wore him out or wear him out. And then he won't be able to do very much as time progresses. And this is a long time thing. Sure. Um, Another thing is accept help. So when you're in early recovery, the chances are that you are going to have to let someone bathe you dress you and possibly help you as help assist you in going to the bathroom. And that feels awful. Sure. But you have to be, I think it's reasonable about it. Yeah. You can't res. uh, It doesn't do any good to resist that. That's what I want to that. I'll give you my, my son, my 25 year old son is a hospice worker and that's his work. He does caretaking for people, including those situations. And he just, shared with me, you know, the difference between people who are resistant, sometimes Mm -hmm. even, you know, violent at times, and those who are, you know, the healing process is, or the recovery process is much better for those people who are receiving of care. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having such a caring son. It is not easy to be a caretaker. Yes. He's a 
I'm very, very proud of him and the work he does. And he gets a lot of uh, a great uh, affirmation, okay. including right now when he's off work with this whole situation, he gets calls from his patients like, where are you at? Uh, because his workplace has had to make some adjustments. So right. proud of that. So good, good, good. Well, give us one or two more. I'm gonna let... Okay, so I think it's really impo- really important to get out of your hospital gown. In my opinion, there's nothing as degrading as a hospital gown when you're sick. And getting dressed makes you feel more alive. Okay. Um, and something else that's really important is to take, take time to clean yourself every day. Okay. So um, if you're stuck in a hospital gown and you're stuck in bed and you don't clean up, you feel mm. worse and worse. Sure. So you have to get out of bed and you know when you're a stroke patient getting out of bed is a it's not an easy thing sure sure but if you don't do it what i'm hearing you say is you can kind of decline and descend yeah. into some dark places yeah. and the yeah. further you go the harder it is to get out of that so yeah yeah well some great stuff here marcia appreciate it i want to kind of close with this one thought let's just say that we are we're talking to someone right now who is in the middle of a crisis, a health crisis of some sort of stroke victim or someone who's just really uh, having a, a drama and trauma in their life. And uh, what's just a word that you could speak into that, uh, that person, that woman or that man's life where kind of first or second steps, what are some things that they could do just to get back in the process of getting back to whole? Well, first of all, I think it's really hard now because we're in the coronavirus thing. Sure. So I think you have to remember that everybody you know loves you and somebody would be there if they could. I mean, nowadays I've seen that nobody is allowed into the hospital. So you have to think of the positive and just understand that they do love you. Secondly, I wonder if there's a phone, like I had my mobile phone with me. So if they have a mobile phone, then maybe their loved ones can call them and make them feel less alone. Sure, sure. And, yeah. Okay, great, great stuff there. Well, thank you, Marcia. And there's, if people want to learn more about you and what you're about, how can they find out more about you and your book and your website? How can they find out more about you and what you offer? So... My website is strokeforward.com. That's strokeforward.com. And my book is available on amazon.com. And your book is called Stroke Forward, How to Become Your Own Healthcare Advocate, One Step at a Time, which is basically your advice to us a few minutes ago. Appreciate you being with us. Lots of good stuff here, especially pertinent to folks in your life who may be having some real uh, healthcare drama and to those who are the healthcare providers. So thank you for your good service to, uh, to making the world a better place. Our uh, guest today on the pathway on the uh, power promise podcast has been Marsha Moran, the author of stroke forward, how to become your own healthcare advocate one step at a time. Thanks so much to Marsha Moran, the author of Stroke Forward. Lots of great things that she gave us there. I just want to really touch on one thing that I think was just helpful. How to be a caretaker to the caretakers. And given the uh, period of time we are living under right now with 
the great pressures and strains upon the healthcare system with this coronavirus bearing down in people as we speak here in April of 2020, uh, a lot of stress on healthcare workers. I happen to be the father of a healthcare worker who works in a nursing home setting, and my own mother is in a uh, convalescent care center where she is isolated now because of the rules of isolation. All these things are very tough to be. We have to care for the caretakers in order for care to be given. So I would like to advocate you to reach out to a caretaker or a medical professional in your life and to show appreciation to them. I bet you know one. If you don't know one, find one or just go to your local medical center or hospital and just find somebody or to go on their website and find a person to give an anonymous note to or a phone call or a text or something to just affirm somebody. That's going to help a lot. If we want to get better, we have to choose to get better. And what uh, Marcia advocated to us is to not be silent. And I want to encourage you to not be silent about your own health advocacy, but let's also be an advocate for others in this day and time. We are here to be helpful to you here in the Power of Promise podcast. You can go to our website, pathwaypromise.com, find lots of helpful tips there for you and some uh, great guests we've had in the past. And we are here to be helpful to you. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. I bring a lifetime of experience in ministry and a degree in transformational leadership here to be helpful to you to overcome adversity in your life to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. So until next time, friends, I just invite you to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.